Hello, it's Tiffany from Tiffany Makes Music. I'm glad you're here today listening to my second and final episode with Bethany Johnson, also known as Miss General Music on Instagram. Bethany is just an outstanding teacher, always seeking to be creative and to engage her students in fun activities that lead them to love music. And she's also just really thoughtful about the way that she teaches to make a difference in her community. So I really hope you enjoy this second part of our conversation. Uh, Just to kind of uh, give you some context, we start in the middle of a conversation on work-life balance and how it is so easy to overwork. So that is what we're talking about at the very beginning here. And I hope that you find that somewhat relatable or uh, it gives you something to think about. Uh, Beyond that, we get into conversations of diversity and representation in the classroom and what exactly Bethany has done and is working on doing to increase representation in her repertoire for her students. So I think you'll enjoy hearing all about this on today's episode of Tiffany Makes Music. And if you do enjoy this podcast, uh, I would love it if you would go leave me a review on uh, the Apple Podcast app. Uh, Those reviews just help more people connect to the podcast. So if you're interested in that, feel free to do so. If not, that's okay. But either way, we're going to get started. I notoriously work on the weekends during the school year. It's a bad habit. Mm -hmm. I mean, I kind of, I kind of like planning. So sometimes I just, (laughs) I love planning actually. That's one of my favorite things. Guilty pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm very much a visual person, so I can spend hours, like, working on my slides and just making them look pretty, and there's <laughs> no reason to do that, but that, it is a problem. I, I work way too hard on the mm-hmm. weekends, um, so I've had to set goals for myself in the past to be, like, you finished everything necessary at school, so you will not open your plans on uh, a Saturday. <laughs> I mean, I had to set goals for when I left work. Because yeah. I'm not one to work at home. I, I would rather stay late and have that separation because I had a long and kind of I had a long traffic commute. So whenever I would take, you know, 30 or 40 minutes to drive home during rush hour, when when I get home, I'm like, I'm not at work anymore. Like, it's really yeah. hard to get back into that mindset after that commute. So I would just stay really late. And there were times when I stayed way too late. <laughs> And my, it was last year, my third year of teaching that I said, okay, I'm going to leave by like this time every day. And I might have an exception, like one or two days a week, depending on what's happening. That's good. And it helped so much. So I had to do that too last year, um, because I was staying really late too. Mm -hmm. But then I, disclaimer, I am not a morning person, but (laughs) I am an anxious person. So... I would get to school every day an hour before I was required to be Mm -hmm. at school um, because I literally like I would wake up before my alarm and be like, 
I'm not ready for school today. And so Aww. I would go to school and like mentally prep myself for the day. But um, generally I was there like so early that I didn't need all that time. So then I would spend it working on other stuff. But then sometimes I would stay late too. See, this is just me being yeah. like, I work too much. Um, and I, so I had to yeah, do the same thing I and be that. like, when the bell rings, you are walking out the door. <laughs> These things can wait till tomorrow. Yeah. There is no reason to do all of this. And that's what I've been telling, like, even just my roommate who's in her first job, who is like, she's really diligent. And she's she's the type, she said when she was, um, she was graduating senior in the spring in college so her last semester ended up going online. Ugh. How awful. Oh, boy. <laughs> she said that she was like, well, we're at home now. I have nothing to do. I'm going to do all my homework. And she finished early. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, it's different when you're in a job because the work literally does not stop. It never like, ends. You could work never. forever. You could work 24 <laughs> hours a day, right? <laughs> Unless you give yourself boundaries. I think it's something about creative people. If you people. give me time. It's something about creative people. Yeah. And it, it, part of it is because I like doing it. Yeah. But then I will, like, work until I'm hungry and then I'm hangry. And then I'm like, I hate planning it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, maybe I just need to take a break. Yeah, I'm, I am wondering about people who just student taught and graduated oh in the spring. I don't even know. I know a couple people, but I don't know them well. But ooh, maybe there is a podcast episode in the future. Yes. It's like that is well because wild. their year was not only was the year cut short, but they were in the middle of student teaching. So like I know at least the college that I graduated from, they start us in one mm -hmm. placement, the elementary placement, and then you go to secondary mm -hmm. placement or the other way around. So you do a few weeks yeah, of both. Ours was similar. but um the school year ended or was sent home before they could do their second placement. Yeah. So like a lot of people didn't experience a grade level, which I mean, for me, it would have been fine because I started with elementary and that's what I wanted. So yeah. I could have done without the other and been mm -hmm. okay. But what if it had been the other way around? Like what if they didn't get elementary experience, but that's what they're teaching? Yeah. That's what I want. And what about people who are still teaching this semester? It's like, How I don't know. I know it's happening. I know it's happening. I know it's going to be not the very, same. very different. Like, how do you refine your classroom yeah. management skills? I feel like the people who are going to student teach this semester just really need to and really need to get out. Because I think everyone who has the option to wait probably will. To wait to student teach, you mean? To wait to student teach, yeah. It's the most valuable thing you do in your yeah, degree. Yeah, pretty much. But maybe it's also important to get all these technology skills. Who knows? <laughs> maybe because, you know, education could be different forever, especially if we give our kindergartners Chromebooks. Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> when you said that, the first thing I thought was like, oh, now we need like some sort of uh, programmer to make a kindergarten friendly Chromebook that doesn't have words, but instead has pictures and like, well, yeah, I'm sitting and... here with all of my plans. I've been trying to minimize how many words are on the page, mm -hmm. even for my older kids, because there's plenty of yeah. kids who are not strong readers or like they'll spend more time trying to interpret the directions than actually working on the activities. So like I've been trying to use 
pictures and then if I have words then I'm recording my voice and putting audio into the slide so that they hear the directions I mean I probably don't need to be doing all that but that once again I'm always doing more than (laughs) necessary (laughs) I just like sat up in bed once and was like what if they have an IEP about reading like what if that one kid in the whole grade level cannot follow my directions i guess i will make an audio recording <laughs> but i mean that's real it's real because then if you don't do that then that kid is left out i know exactly. but if you do do that you're like springing out of bed <laughs> thinking about thinking about it so i mean i don't know you know i've <laughs> done so little since march that i i don't it's like whatever gets you going yes i yeah. but i like thinking of activities to do so I'm bored. I'll do it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's good. And I think that's something I realized, especially at the secondary level. So my teaching job last year was in a private school and I taught elementary, general, pre-K through fifth, and I taught sixth grade through 12th grade band. Whoa. So it was uh, interesting to see how they were. Yeah. (laughs) There's there's plenty of conversations on this podcast about how (laughs) much that was. But um, I ended up finding my rhythm. It ended up being being good. But whew, was that a learning curve at start? Um, anyway, it was interesting to see the differences between what we did at the secondary level and what we did at the elementary level. And I think my expectations were that the secondary students would have more, you know, be able to interpret directions. But then... Y- you just realize that they're not. I mean, yes, they're better than elementary, but they're struggling with this because that's not what they're accustomed to. That's not what they've ever been forced to do. Like they they usually have directions that they read, but the teacher also reads it to them or maybe a student reads it out loud and then they can ask questions pretty freely it's just totally different. Yeah. I was so, making something today. Executive functioning. Yeah. It's a struggle. I was making an activity today that I want to assign as their first asynchronous activity. And it was literally like one slide of directions, but it requires them to go to a different web page and then copy and paste their link when they're done making it's it's like Uh a composition thing so they have to link their composition to me um and then as an extra step they can also take a screenshot of the song they wrote um and like that doesn't sound like very much but at the same time I was like this is their first activity and I was literally sitting there like taking screenshots of the exact icons that they need to click like step by step like this is the play button this is how you right click because they don't have a right click. So you have to use two fingers. So it's like use two fingers. Also, oh, we don't have the same devices that the kids have. So I'm here Googling like how do Chromebooks take screenshots because I don't have a Chromebook. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so I'm like, this is the play button. This is how you right click. This is copy. This is paste. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, if we were in a classroom, like I would, this would take 10 seconds, but... I'm kind of worried that this activity is going to be overwhelming for their first activity ever. But then I also only have four 
lessons with them so I can't like start super simple because then I've thrown away one of my four lessons for the entire quarter (laughs) oh my gosh oh yeah wow I think I'm gonna try it and if it fails then I mean I'm not gonna fail the kids I'm just gonna be like okay I'll be easier on you next time yeah that's a good approach whatever do you remember I mean when I was in school we I remember having computer class that was entirely dedicated to learning those skills oh I didn't it's like now it's just assumed really I did not have that that's kind of cool I I remember learning like here's how you use copy and paste and go ahead and change the (laughs) change the font in your document I actually my county um we had student devices starting in the sixth grade they were wow yeah they were not good but we had them and Mm -hmm. i have discovered through time that that's really unusual (laughs) yeah that a county had devices when i was in the sixth grade like none of my friends had devices in school even by the 12th Mm -hmm. grade and i was like oh it was required and we did like most of our testing on those things and we did a lot of projects on them wow it was kind of an essential item but yeah so Go Henrico County, <laughs> ahead of the game oh, a little nice. bit. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. Yeah, when I was a senior, I remember I had an English teacher that was, she was just eager to, she was like, you know, when you get to college, you're going to have like discussion boards on Blackboard or on whatever, and you're going to have to, Hate she's this. making a face, that's really, <laughs> it's this. not a fun activity. <laughs> Don't do those with your kids this year. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Use Flipgrid. That's way more fun. I um, haven't used that yet. We'll really? About it. It's, try it's it. a fun time. My sixth graders really liked it. You can decorate it with, like, you make your video and then you get to decorate it with, like, lots of things. It's almost like an Instagram story. That's it's fun. fun. I haven't it's fun. looked at it, but I've heard that it's great, so I need to get on that. Well, you can add it to your long to-do list that will never right. end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember where I was even going now. Uh, we were talking about Blackboard posts. Oh, yeah. But where was I going? The teacher that? scaring you about Blackboard. Black- oh! <laughs> when I was in high school, this teacher wanted to integrate technology into the classroom because we knew- she knew that's what we would have in college even, like, in the next year. But that was so edgy at the time. That is I remember- edgy. I remember thinking, oh, like, this is never going to work. You're going to have us bring our cell phones and our laptops. And guess what? It did not go well. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) But, like, it could, it, it, it is useful now. But I think we were just, it was such a novelty to us that we weren't, like, ready to use it to learn. We were, like, just on Pinterest. We get to have cell phones in class and she expects us to do productive things. Yeah, right. And so everyone was, like, just interacting really stupidly <laughs> I do remember that in my in my high school um most things were blocked that were edu- educational but certain huh. things made it through the system and one of them was Pinterest which I don't use Pinterest but like oh, every single girl in my high school <laughs> I never did it every single girl in my high school used it um so if the teacher was not standing behind them they were like all scrolling on pinterest in class and then all the boys discovered or they all (laughs) the boys had like some kind of 
Pokemon thing on a USB that passed around the school, so they all, like, got Pokemon on their computers, so they would just, like, you (laughs) knew they were playing it because their hands were only on the arrow keys and not on the actual keyboard, and it was so obvious, but every class, like, half the class was playing a game and not paying attention, but I guess that's classic high school. Half the class was playing Pokemon, half the class was scrolling Pinterest. Oh, it was a mess. And there were just, like, a couple there. Oh, and I had Google Docs with one of my friends, and we would have conversations on it. Wow. Yeah, very intuitive. (laughs) I'm just amazed that you had that. That just seems so ahead of its time. Apparently it was, and I took it for granted completely. Yeah. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. Wow. I guess that's normal now. But now kindergartners have Chromebooks. Mm -hmm. They just keep going They sure do. Yeah. Not in every county. My county is wealthy enough to be able to do that. But I know my friends down in Richmond do not have that privilege, Mm -hmm. and I have no idea how they are handling things. Um, this is just such a hard question, Mm. but I feel like I really want to address it because I have seen you taking steps, Mm -hmm. um, to be better and do better. Um, and so the question I I have kind of pre-thought up here has, is how has your perspective changed in the midst of racial tension in the U S and how has this affected the way you're planning your teaching and what resources are you seeking out? How are you adding representation into your assignments? What are you doing? Because I feel like you're you're really being intentional, which is great. I appreciate that. I'm glad that's how it comes across because you never you never really know how you come across on social media, but yeah, it is. I'm glad you picked up on that because that's like a very important subject to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now, and it was before, but I guess that's kind of what's changed for me is that I've always viewed school and teaching as a social activist platform, Mm -hmm. whether you went into it for that reason or not. But if you're Mm -hmm. working with children, you are touching all of their lives and affecting how they navigate the world from that point on. So whether Mm -hmm. you are interested in the politics of teaching or not, it is political and Mm. it is a human rights platform. Like, that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. But I've always been very, very vocal about that in my regular personal life and Mm -hmm. tried to be intentional in my classroom. But I think now that it is such a um, relevant subject and so many people are talking about it, Um, I have come to the realization that I wasn't being as intentional in my classroom as I thought I was because Mm -hmm. I am really vocal about social injustices, um, and, and teaching children how to navigate the world and all that. But I think I talked about it more often than I was actually doing it. So Mm. it has been my goal now to keep it on my mind every time I am planning Hmm. and think, do I need to do this very Eurocentric basic activity? Or is there something else that I can do if I dive a bit deeper that might represent my student body a little bit better? And am I avoiding this song because it's hard to pronounce? Um, Or am I avoiding it because it doesn't 
work well for my students. And pretty often I was avoiding mm. things because it was hard for me to learn. Um, but that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, <laughs> why was I doing that? Yeah, I relate to that so much, though, because it's like when you are teaching from your perspective and you're white, you know, that's a really privileged place Mm -hmm. and you have to educate yourself and we come from a place where if like we can get away with not educating ourselves but that's not the right exactly and I think we're all guilty of that constantly and Mm -hmm. I think it's especially big for me because not only did I grow up in really diverse schools which I'm super lucky about Mm. um But I now work in a school that is ultra diverse, but in a completely different way than what Mm. I grew up in. Um, So there's just the population and the socioeconomic status of my current students are way different than what I grew up with. So that's been kind of a culture shock for me in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I realized that I often was doing multicultural songs that I already knew or like something Mm. that might have been relevant to my hometown but you know I have um I have students from countries that I had never interacted with now and I haven't been representing them in my lessons and it's like oh Mm -hmm. that's just as important it's great to teach them about other people's cultures but what about the ones that are currently in my school right now um and Mm. a lot of my students come from Asia where languages are hard for me to understand like it's hard for me to learn the pronunciations and I think that was a Mm -hmm. lot of it is I was avoiding songs because I didn't know how to say them but that is something I'm being much Mm -hmm. more intentional about and trying to incorporate not only people from around the world but specifically the people that are in my school yeah that makes so much sense and it is it is more work, which is why it, there is this light bulb of like, oh, we have to really deliberately do this. Right. Otherwise, it's not, not going to get done because we're just going to keep singing Yankee Doodle and calling it a day. Like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think before I always was great about doing my research. Like, that's something that I, I felt strong about is that I looked into every song that I was teaching beforehand and made sure that it didn't have a problematic past and all of that Good for you but there's a lot more to it than that so um I now even in my virtual lessons because teaching virtually isn't an excuse to avoid subjects um Mm. I am I'm trying to make every lesson count more than I used to um Mm -hmm. And that means intentionally talking about touchy subjects with my kids. And they've Mm. come up before. Maybe I didn't have as in-depth of a conversation as I could have. So now I'm purposely entering those conversations with the kids. And I think that's important this year. Yeah, definitely. I think it's amazing some of the stuff that happened this summer and in quarantine and the fact that we weren't in school for the kids to be able to um, talk about it. I know. Cause there was just so much. And if we had been in school, there would have been so much conversation. I don't know that it would have been necessarily, it wouldn't have been like great conversation everywhere. Right. But 
the kids would have been coping with it as a as a group and together and with others and um it's just going to be so interesting to see what that looks like when people uh or when they're back in school with other people yeah and um yeah not that, exactly what's going to happen right that now for but... <laughs> sure. um and that's the thing is i mean i may teach k through five kids but they are more aware of current events than people give them credit for so mm -hmm. avoiding talking about current events is noticeable to children they'll notice when you talk about things that are happening around them and that might be affecting their own families so yeah there's a lot of conversation to catch up on i think yeah i think so so what does that look for, like in the music room i mean i know that's <laughs> kind of a big question yeah that is the question <laughs> of of the century right now i think but um i, mean, I think I, it's not just one main way it's a lot of like right little and different ways i don't necessarily think that i know the right or the wrong way to do it but yeah i mean i'm still trying to figure that that's out true. but I mean, I think it, at the very basis, comes down to just not avoiding things. Um, we, mm. as music teachers, are very culturally involved because music doesn't just happen amongst white people, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> In fact, like a lot yeah. of music that white people create has been stolen from other people. Um, yeah. So it's just the little simple things like that that you can throw into the conversation when you talk with kids. I always like mm. giving a background on what we're learning about, no matter where it comes from mm. or what it is. So now, I mean, getting more in depth with that can lead to conversations that you wouldn't expect. And um, yeah, I just, I think it's important that we don't just go by the curriculum books and teach like, little white American songs because they might have a dangerous past and you could be something doing something much more enriching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I don't even know how to transition out of this topic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's such a heavy one, but I I, I'm so glad for so many of the resources that people are putting out there Same. and just, I guess for just the mindset that we have to educate ourselves and that that's, Mm -hmm. A huge part of the battle yep. is um, just knowing um, the thing, knowing when things that we've been taught haven't been accurate or haven't exactly. been the whole story yes. or have been like one sided. Um, and there's just so much that we can always be unpacking oh, yeah. um, and rebuilding. And it's just there's a lot. That is why. I love the Instagram community so much mm -hmm. because sometimes I just think like, I mean, I check that Instagram all the time because I've gotten mm -hmm. so many important resources from there and just inspiration from people who are on there. And sometimes I think like, what if I was teaching and I had never discovered the Instagram community? Like how bland and boring would I be and unaware mm -hmm. of such important <laughs> topics because people bring up things that I never would have thought of and I'm like yeah. wow I would have been completely unaware of this if I didn't stay connected yeah yeah that Instagram the internet as a whole is really huge like I think about um Facebook groups mm -hmm. there's like one Facebook group that 
everyone joined <laughs> when quarantine started and it was like it's music educators creating online. Oh, I sure am like in that. that. Oh yes, you are. I'm sure. <laughs> I think every I'm in all every of them. music teacher yes. on Facebook is in that. Um, there are so many, and just the ideas, the collaboration that comes out of that. The like, oh my gosh, I'm really having trouble with this one thing. Can like someone help me? And then just someone pops on and is like, oh, I've been through this whole situation before. Let me show you how it's done. Yep. And it's just like, wow, that's amazing. Right. So it's really cool. It's honestly the best resource. I can't believe you've resource. never gotten into Pinterest, though. That blows my mind. <laughs> I was a Tumblr girl when I was okay, in fair. middle and high school. So yeah, I was a little too pretentious for Pinterest. That's so funny. <laughs> it sounds like Pinterest was like the basic thing. It was. At your school. It was. And that's there, like the one thing that wasn't blocked. There were a lot of very... Um, <laughs> preppy people in my high school so I was very like anti-preppy I was like no I will not be one of them (laughs) only preppy girls use Pinterest so I will not do it (laughs) I still go on Pinterest it's funny um but it's not like as like Instagram is just more where the community's at now I think I will like every once in a while very soloistic yes and I it just feels very connected on there. There's a community mm-hmm. on there that you can't find anywhere yeah. else. Yeah, that's very cool. Well, thank you, Bethany, for being here today. It was so much fun to talk with you, and you just have a lot of good insight of how to come and just handle the world we're in right now <laughs> as a music teacher. It's um, none of us have it, you know, totally figured out, but we're all helping each other, and that's what it's Absolutely. all about. Absolutely. I had a great time. And that wraps up my two-part series with Bethany Johnson of Miss General Music. I hope you'll remember to give her a follow if you don't follow her already on Instagram and you'll be ready to uh, get lots of cool information and lesson ideas from her page. So check her out and don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Tiffany Makes Music. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you next week.